What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast and just a great way to contribute to the growth. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. Share the podcast with a friend. Tell somebody about it. Leave a comment on a social media post, whatever you can do to help get the word out about this thing i've also been dropping some monthly playlists every first of the month that you can find on apple and spotify links for those are in the episode notes just a snapshot of what i'm listening to throughout the month things that are making it into my dj set some things from the portland oregon pacific northwest area amongst uh, a bunch of other stuff that i may have missed in previous years it's pretty spread out so if you're not super into the stuff that's a little more genre bending you can find more genre specific stuff with the playlist as well so those are in the episode notes stoked to get into this one abby sage is on the podcast episode 344 abby is making some beautiful music and it's exciting because it sounds like she's just still kind of getting started and is eager to evolve and continue to find her voice in each project that she's working on. She's currently based in the Los Angeles area. She's got a handful of singles out and two EPs, including her newest release, which is the Florist EP, which we dive into a bit along with her first EP. But even between those projects, you can hear her desire to not be limited to just one style of production and songwriting and the florist ep front to back is killer i've really been enjoying those tunes and i'm stoked that i stumbled upon it and was able to have the opportunity to chat with her for a bit big thanks to abby for jumping on the line with me i'll put her social links and links to her music in the episode notes as well so you can keep up with her if you dig what you hear in this conversation and the tunes that are shared from uh, her catalog of music and we are going to to get right into it we're going to kick off episode 344 with the title track of abby sage's most recent ep it is available wherever you listen to music it was my entry point into abby's music this is the florist let's do the damn thing
other than that, Abby, you uh, feel good about jumping into this thing? Let's do it. Let's right do on. It. Well, I'm excited to uh, have the opportunity to chat with you. I stumbled upon uh, the title track, The Florist, from your, your most recent EP maybe a few months ago and, and just kind of dove into your, your tunes that way and uh, was just immediately grabbed by the songwriting and the the production happening with that florist dp so i'm excited to to find out where where the tunes come from and whatnot so i don't know a whole lot about your background so i thought maybe you can just start with uh maybe talking to me about kind of your early memories of discovering or or playing music totally yeah i mean i so i was born in toronto I left Toronto when I was like seven. So I didn't spend like a lot of my youth there, but then moved to the Bay area. Um, we went back to Toronto every summer and I feel like I, I just love it so much. And that's where I kind of started my music journey, I guess recorded there a few times. And then, yeah, it was when I was in the Bay area too, like in middle school and high school, I basically started by just posting little snippets on SoundCloud, <laughs> as <Yeah>. one does. <laughs> um, and yeah, and that's kind of what got it started. Like it was, it was a completely an accident too, because it was just like a place where I was saving music. But then it gives you like an option afterwards where it's like you can like post it to Twitter, or like Facebook and stuff, and they have it like already checked. And I remember I just did it. And then woke up in the morning and everyone's like, I had no idea that you do this. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. So it was like, I dove in being exposed that way. And I used like a photo because I love, I grew up listening to a lot of Florence and the Machine because I just yeah. love her to, to death. Um, and it was like a little photo of her as like my profile picture. Cause I was like one of those fangirls. <laughs> do you do you think that you would have uh like since you accidentally kind of posted that that yeah. kind of you know put yourself out there in that way do you think you would have done that like consciously at that time like I shared something so. i was very i don't know i feel like my journey with confidence has been a long one and i think that at that age i would have not done that yeah like I was going to the the library for lunches every day and just kind of sitting there and writing. I remember I was sending songs to the Jonas Brothers at the time as well. <laughs> I was like, they'd want, they'd want this. <laughs> you got to shoot your shot, Abby. It <laughs> is so funny to think about that. Yeah, that was my middle school journey. <laughs> yeah, so like what was your writing like at that time? Like were you playing guitar or were you just kind of like writing lyrics and building things in like software as far as music or I mean, it was all very like my setup then was very minimal. My dad taught me how to play guitar um cuz he he grew up playing a lot of music and still has still does that a lot we actually just we me and him played a show together when i went home for the oh, holidays which was really cute but yeah he taught me everything and i was basically just recording these as like voice memos and then would post like these half finished songs on soundcloud and that was kind of the start of it so it was very raw um but i love doing it and i felt like i write a lot of poetry now as well and i feel like that's kind of where i started lyrically was okay. I would just kind of turn these poems into melodies and whatnot. And I still do that. So I feel like that's, that's kind of my method that stayed pretty true through all this. Yeah. Do you find there to be like a big difference in like the writing, if you're like intentionally writing something for poetry or mm -hmm. do you feel like it's always like kind of open-ended and can be translated to the lyrics? Yeah. I feel like I like to keep it open-ended without pressure since I'm constantly writing. So I feel like if something doesn't translate, that's okay. Or like sometimes I'll just find like a little snippet of something and that works and build off of that. But yeah, I feel like with writing now, like there will be times as well where it's just like something that happens organically in a studio and it's just started completely from scratch. But for the most part, I like to have at least a basis of concept and whatnot. 
Yeah. Did you always find uh, a lot of comfort in writing or just find that to be a, a solid way for you to process the world around you? Yeah. I feel like everyone has an outlet of some kind. And I feel like that was my outlet for a, a very long time was just writing everything down. Um, it's funny to go back on diaries. <laughs> I did that over when I went home for the holidays. I saw, I just kind of flipped through and I was just like, wow, a lot of pain, a lot of pain. <laughs> yeah. Are you someone that likes to like keep those things around too? save those, those old journals and diaries? Yeah. yeah. It's, and it's funny just to, to stumble upon them. It's quite entertaining. <laughs> Will you ever go through them and, and find an idea that you feel like still resonates in some way and try to build off something? Honestly, yeah. There have been a few times where I've, I even have gone back in like some of my, my SoundCloud archives because I've, I mean, I've hidden everything now, but I'll go back and listen to some of those. And I'm like, that's honestly an interesting line. So yeah, maybe in the next album, you'll be hearing some high school and middle school thought. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so was your dad kind of your big entry point into music and seeing people do it in the live sense? Yeah, I would say so. Like even in Toronto, he played a lot of um a lot of shows and I would go with my little headphones on and whatnot <laughs> as a youngin. And then when we moved to California, he found like a few people that he started playing with as well. So it was definitely my intro to live music because they would sometimes have me play like a little interlude type situation in the middle of their set and i really brought down the mood <laughs> <laughs> did seeing that from a young age make you feel like following like a career path in music or just even pursuing that passionately was like a tangible thing for you yeah, I mean, I feel like I didn't I didn't necessarily know how tangible it would be, but I think I was always a very emotional child, so it was either this or become a therapist. So, <laughs> I feel like they kind of there's some overlap there. Um, but yeah, I feel like starting it as like a genuine I feel like I can do this came quite a bit later. Where do you see that overlap? between those things? I mean, I've always viewed music as this very cathartic thing. And I feel like a lot of people do. And I think the difference is, it's like there is definitely a lot of ego involved in kind of presenting yourself as an artist and it's very, look at me. But then I think over time you realize how healing it can be for some people, especially when people reach out and tell you so. I think it's it's nice. And I think there's overlap there in the way that it just kind of, I don't know, it's you're expressing something that you went through and it'll resonate with someone in either the same way or a different way. And I think that that's a form of healing as well. Yeah. Is that always the type of songwriting that you kind of like took to as a listener, even as a, a younger person? Yeah, I mean, I was always really drawn to the lyrical aspects of things. And I think now I know more like production style that I like and everything, but it definitely started very bare lyrics at the focus. So I think that'll always be a part of how I listen to music and how I create it as well. Yeah, were you always like a create like pretty creative kid outside of the, the music stuff as well? Yeah. Pursuing other yeah. <laughs> kinds of art or exploring different kinds of art. Yeah. And I feel like I still am now. I, I've been telling people that I'm going through like a, a late theater kid resurgence. <laughs> <laughs> I just really, yeah. I think that all throughout my life, there's been at least something creative that I've kind of latched onto. I used to love, um, I mean, I still do, Chicken Run, the movie. I don't even know if I know what that is. It's like a, a claymation kind of, it's, it's incredible. Okay. All right. That'll be, that'll <laughs> so be my homework. I was homework. really into claymation for a while and I kind of started that up again just because it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Like when you're, uh, releasing music and thinking about videos and stuff like that, is that all stuff that you get pretty excited about? Like, do you kind of see it as this, 
total package thing as being a, a music artist or do you kind of like to just focus on making the music? I mean, I love the visual side of things as well. So I think when I'm, it's just like any part of the creation process with this career I love. I feel like I I really enjoyed the, to creative direct everything as well. So um, it's fun. I feel I feel like I love making the music <laughs> and I love tying in something visual that reflects that in kind of an interesting way. So I put a lot of effort into both sides of it and I enjoy both sides of it a lot. Were you always pretty comfortable as far as the, uh, the live performance elements? Like even when your, your dad and his band would put you up there to play an interlude, did that feel pretty comfortable to you? Yeah. I remember I would always experience nerves, like a kind of nervousness, maybe like an hour before. And then once I'm up there, I feel fine. And I think that, I think that still holds true that I'll just kind of get a little bit nervous, but then I'll be fine. I love doing it. And I feel like it's the best way to connect with people as well. And the most immediate response that you'll see, because you're just seeing everything in real time. Um, And I think that part of it's really beautiful. Yeah. How long was it before you had your accidental music release between like that time and you actually playing tunes of your own in front of people? It was a few years. Um, Yeah. I mean, I was introduced to a few people in Toronto one summer and that was kind of when I recorded everything. It was the, like the first few songs I released but I think with live, it came a bit later just because I knew I wanted to wait for almost the right time. But even before that point, I would play like farmer's markets and wine bars and stuff. So I would sometimes throw in like an original every once in a while. But I feel like playing only my live songs or like my own songs kind of honestly started within this past year, a year and a half. And was it pretty important for you, you think, to like have that time where you were playing a bunch of covers and whatnot and kind of learning other people's songs just to kind of examine like song structure and where you could take your own tunes. Yeah, I definitely think so. But I also, when I write, I normally try not to listen to a lot of music because I want it to be very much, this is coming from my own brain, but of course there's influences and everything. But I feel like if I'm going somewhere like next or I guess in a few days I'm going back to London the UK to work on a project so I think in that time I'm just gonna try and write some poetry and yeah. see what comes of it <laughs> do new environments usually spark a lot of creativity for you yeah I think it's nice I like doing it because it sections it off in my brain for me um I feel like I like to have compartments in my mind where I'm going to this place to do this one thing. So my brain will kind of switch to that headspace. So it definitely makes it easier. And I, my mom's from the UK, so I have lots of family there. So it's always nice to go there. Nice. So you can like pretty clearly, like maybe identify like where you wrote certain songs, like, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. this was definitely cultivated in that environment. Yeah. Yeah. On the tube. (laughs) (laughs) I do a lot of writing on the tube. (laughs) Yeah. Is it hard for you to like not be writing? Are you kind of like always kind of coming up with ideas and your, your phone is just full of voice memos and and notes of, of lyric ideas? A lot of middle of the night melody recordings that make no sense to me in the morning, but <laughs> yeah, my notes app and then my, my like little diary thing that I have now is definitely full to the brim. <laughs> <laughs> so like with your early music recordings, were you kind of just working with your, your dad on that type of stuff when you were putting together initial ideas? Yeah, we definitely, I mean, we, we kind of did those together He would help me a little bit. And then I started using Logic on my own and then just kind of started recording stuff myself um, and producing some things out pretty minimally. But yeah, I think that experience in Toronto kind of, I think it was around like maybe 2019 or 2020 was when I started kind of working in 
actual studios and realizing that it's all very different. <laughs> <laughs> Was there uh, any added layer of vulnerability early on for you because you were working with your dad, like sharing your feelings in such like an intimate yeah. way, you know, like this I mean, is supposed to be kind of like your always, safe we've space. We've always been to... very close. So I feel like it was easy, but then there were a few that I was just like, I'm going to record this one on my own without. <laughs> <laughs> so like, was that pretty important? Do you think like just to your development as far as understanding like language around like the recording studio so that when you did get into like, different environments with different people you could at least kind of communicate what you wanted or like what you were hearing in your head in a way I mean I think me and him definitely did not know anything so he was kind of learning with me when all of this started because it is so different and it's it's different just to jam with your dad versus diving into this pretty full-on yeah like 2021 is mm -hmm. when you you put out your first like music on the streaming services did you feel like that those initial songs were like pretty far apart from where you started yeah i mean i would say they're also pretty far apart from where i'm at now but i've always seen like a lot of value in showing people growth so it's like if you have something and you're proud of it at the time i think you should always release it if that feels comfortable to you so I did that and I feel like it was reflective of a time where my my writing style was definitely like very personal and I feel like this new project maybe is more observational in a sense but I think both are important so I'm happy to have all of it all of it out there. Yeah, for sure. I think you can definitely like see the growth like as you go through your catalog of tunes that are even, you know, just in this last couple years or even between the the two different eps you can yeah. hear like your different approach to vocal deliveries and melodies and whatnot do you have like any sense of like maybe what has informed your your style of storytelling most or whether it's like a particular artist or record or experience um i mean i just i feel like i Florence and Machine was definitely a big thing for me because I think that she just conveys things in a very beautiful way. And I listened to a lot of Angel Olsen as well. And I feel like I love her journey in a way that she she's changed a lot throughout projects. And I think that that's really interesting. Yeah. And I love to see that. And it's just like you can find something in every project. And I think that it's really cool to switch up vibes because we don't we change as people and i feel like it is important to reflect that so yeah. i love her portis head i listen to a lot of portis head a lot of radio head a lot of heads <laughs> <laughs> a lot of heads talking heads <laughs> so you, you like it seems like you appreciate the, like the singer songwriter hooky stuff just as much as like the experimental things mm -hmm. yeah I think is is I don't know. You can tell when someone has something to say, and I think that always stands out to me. So I feel like that can span across so many different genres and different styles. And I feel like you can pick up on authenticity, and that's always what I'm drawn to. Yeah, I think you can uh, you can definitely tell when someone's just like chasing down a trend or something opposed yeah. to you know someone just exploring like what feels right in that moment and I think like it seems like just people in general are like more willing to just like go on the artist journey now and like yeah. hope that like that next record is a little different than yeah. the previous instead of just like being tied to this one sound I think is like a much more interesting approach to things for sure. Completely. I, I mean, I fell in love with the Claro album that she put out recently as well. I thought it was just beautiful and it's, it's a jump. Like it's different than some of the other stuff she's put out, but I, you can tell it's, it was like, that was where she was at and that's what she wanted to release. And I think it's beautiful. So like, are you, 
are you currently still writing most of the stuff that you are have either put out or developing now on guitar? Is that where most of the initial ideas come from? Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm about to kind of set out to just figure out the next the next project, and it's all just very exciting to me because I remember I did the last one around this time last year, and I just remember that feeling of kind of getting just getting excited again to create again and working with the same people in London just because I really love them. So I'm excited. What was it like for you to get your first collection of tunes out? Like as in that fears of your, yours and mine EP, did that feel different than just like releasing a a single or two to you? Yeah. I mean, I think I definitely want to be a project artist and I think that just songs as in project form are always just feels special to me because it all ties together in this one place and everything either I don't know I just feel like everything fits and everything works together and I think that Fears of Rose of Mine was a good time stamp for what I was experiencing at the time and like what I felt like I needed to say and yeah I like that project a lot yeah, I really love that Wasting Away track Thank off you. that one. Was it important to you to have at least one song on there that felt really stripped down? Yeah, I think so. I think in that in that stage, since I was writing more from like a lyrical perspective, um, I was just pretty set on having one that was a lot more stripped down, yeah. In the morning before the Was that when you started working with Jeff Hazen? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I was I was reading that, that Jeff is kind of like a, a key collaborator. Yeah. Of he's, yours. he's one of my best friends. Um, I see him all the time because he's here in LA a lot, but he lives in Toronto. Did he work on the Florist EP with you as well? Mm-mm. That one I okay. did in London with these two guys, Roy and Tim. They're artist project or I guess their producer tag is my riot and they're amazing yeah what what about that relationship with Jeff do you think like has been successful or like what do you what do you think he brings out of your tunes or helps you see in your songs I think with him we just know each other so well now and I think that we really started this journey together and that's always going to be special it's like the first person that you kind of dive into this whole realm with and I didn't know anything and he was kind of the person who introduced me to kind of how like I don't know I feel like it was easy to speak up around him and I think that that's important as like your first collaborator someone who kind of gives you the floor so it was really special because he's just someone who I trust so much and that's I feel like an essential part of a collaborator yeah, especially like I think early on when you're trying to like find your voice in the studio mm-hmm. or like and through everything your art. Feels new. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's nice to be around somebody that you like feel very comfortable around and like can express your ideas instead of just like curling up and being quiet like while yeah. you're making something of your own. Definitely. Do you feel like the the fears of yours and mine EP like informed a lot of the ways? that you made the florist EP or do you like see a lot of parallels there or was it a completely different experience? I would say, I mean, there's some parallels, but I do feel like it was definitely a different experience because with the florist, I, I basically just went to London knowing that I wanted to work with a few people. I didn't really know how those sessions were going to go. And with Roy and Tim, on the very first day, we wrote Pool Party, which was a poem that I had written 
literally on the tube on the way there. And I think it just felt really special. And I feel like I hadn't had that in a while where it's just like you have this moment where you realize that you're onto something just that feels right. So they kind of came out of nowhere for me. And it was very much just like, okay, this, this is special. This is what I want to continue. Whereas with Jeff and Fears of Yours and Mine, I had basically written mainly all of the songs and they were pretty flushed out before we even started and we had like a plan going into it and everything and that one I think felt more personal in the way that I was going through a lot at the time and I feel like I had a lot to say personally of what I was experiencing whereas with the florist it seemed a little bit more explorative and I was kind of just taking things as I was experiencing them but also kind of telling stories that I would hear from other people as well. And I think that that's a fun thing to explore because obviously I'm not the only mind on this planet. <laughs> yeah. It's It certainly feels like, yeah, the point of view is a little different with that collection of tunes or like what you were saying with the, it maybe being a little more observational and which kind of, I think like really lends itself to the production on the record. Cause it seems like you, really like tapped in with the newer tunes like deeper into the production and kind of like this flow of creating like worlds with the, the yeah. tunes you know stuff that you can like really fall into i think as a listener just like with the instrumentation going on songs uh come out a lot different than than your like initial demos for them i mean i think i wasn't i wasn't surprised necessarily i think that i know what i like when i hear it sometimes and then i'm able to steer it in that way so they were just really great as we would just kind of chat about things and get a feel for each other and i feel like it came very naturally and there were obviously some things of it that surprised me or maybe I didn't visualize it that way and then it was steered in a different direction. But I think for the most part, it all just felt very organic and very easy. Yeah, do you find that when you're like introduced to new guitar tones or like a new vocal filter that that can just open it up? It changes everything, up. yeah. I remember because I, I grew up just playing acoustic guitar and when I got my first Fender... I feel like my writing changed exponentially because it's just like that's a whole different world that it's creating. And I think that that's really special. Yeah, for sure. That Backwards Directions is one of my favorite tracks off the Flores DP. Thank you. And just appreciate some of the choices that were made in the production and arrangements on that one. Specifically, like, I don't know, there's a moment towards the second half where like everything kind of comes to a halt and it's just mm -hmm. like the guitar hanging there and just kind of kills the momentum but like brings it back up in a really cool way and yeah. uh i think it makes it like more impactful and also just uh some of your your hybrid like spoken word singing i think in that one is like a very cool effect and brings like a lot of a lot of vibe to the song. It seems like it makes sense now knowing that you love poetry so much mm -hmm. and spend a lot of time with that. Do you think that that's like the connection to bringing kind of the, the spoken word stuff into motion? I think so. I mean, it was very much like just the decision I made on the spot because that song, we had started something else earlier that morning. Um, and just kind of reached a point where I didn't necessarily want to continue it. And then we started 
with that the backwards direction riff, like the dun 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 dun, dun. and we were all just kind of bopping around, and then it was very much just it's one of the most organic songs I've ever made because it was it just started after feeling frustrated with something else, and it's just like we're gonna restart. Um, and it was really cool, and it was one of my favorite days because it just all came so easily and so naturally, and I was in a headspace to really explore something different, which is kind of why I did the more spoken part. Because there was just no expectations. Like it was like we scratched something and we we're just playing around with a new idea that ended up being really special. some of that stuff for some reason like the the spoken word vibe can like add kind of like this punk aesthetic to it sometimes some of this like new wave action to it it's very yeah it's very cool especially with the yeah the rest of your vocal delivery like in contrast to that i think it it feels really nice yeah i mean it's always i just feel like it's always worth to explore something and I think it's cool seeing people's interpretation of that, of me just randomly deciding to do that. <laughs> yeah, as far as uh, exploring, talk to me about the Irene track. Like, what sort of <laughs> spoke to you about wanting to include a song that has, like, just sort of this vocal narrative over the instrumentation rather than actual lyrics? Yeah, I mean, so... That's my my Nana speaking, who lives in the UK. And I would kind of go and see her every once in a while. She lives alone. She's in Birmingham. So I would take the train to go see her every once in a while. And I just, I love spending time with her one-on-one because I feel like we definitely get down to the, the nitty gritty of things. Um, and she's just so great to talk to. So I, I made the decision. I didn't even tell her, but I was recording her. <laughs> basically the whole time this whole visit this one visit that i had and we were in um the study of her place trying to figure out the printer and she was just so frustrated by the printer that she started <laughs> talking about her frustrations with just like technology and how quick the world is moving and how she just so badly wants to keep up and it's a hard thing And I feel like at that point, I really wanted the project to represent different stages of life and kind of the struggles that people run into in every stage. And I was just like, this is perfect. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Just grandma dropping some knowledge there. Yeah. (laughs) And people talk so often about firsts. I feel like everyone is very interested about firsts. And that's like a lot, like topically in music, like first love, first kiss, whatever. It's very, I mean, it's just a a subject that people play into a lot, but I think that old age isn't something that's like tapped into. And I'm personally very excited about old age and I love the idea of aging. So I think it's something that I just wanted to cover in this project. Yeah, I think moments like that within a collection collection of tunes are like often my my big takeaways so like even though that's not a track where you're you know expressing yourself lyrically just i think the way that that like sets up the next track in high five like whether intentionally or not is just like a very cool movement on the record and kind of like speaks to what you were talking about as far as like 
being able to maybe dive into a collection of tunes on a project rather than just like dropping a single because maybe just dropping Irene on its own would be like a confusing thing out of context of the yeah. rest of the songs but like it's such a refreshing moment I think yeah and I I I love those moments as well on a project and I think that it's it's beautiful to almost take a step back and even from someone else's lens like this was obviously my Nana just kind of her take on things but obviously it's something that she's going through that everyone goes through something at all the stages of their life. So it's, I just felt like it was important to say, and it did feel like it tied the project together to me. Like when, when I recorded her saying that, that's when I knew that I had a project. And I think that it was just a, it was essential, essential to it. Yeah. I mean, I've got one friend, Irene, who's absolutely lovely. I love her to bits. She hasn't got a mobile, she won't have had a mobile. She's never had a laptop or a computer. And she said, I just don't want them. But I don't want to get like that, because otherwise, I think you miss out on a lot, don't you? Mm. And most of my friends are okay. Not everybody's that fantastic, but sort of manage. Yeah, is sequencing of a project something you take a lot of time with, or are you someone that has to like make quick decisions so that you don't get too caught up in your own way? I mean, I feel like I definitely get caught up in my own way sometimes, but I also just, I knew that this was right. Like the order of the songs, the songs, the choices, just everything felt correct to me. So I tried not to dwell on anything or kind of take too much time to focus on one idea. And with Pool Party especially, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I would have to resubmit the song because I was just like, this is wrong. Like we have to remaster like this part, like this part sounds weird to me. And I think that was the one that I got in my head about a little bit too much. But I think it was because it felt really special to me as well. And I was just like, this one has to be perfect but it's you know it's out and sometimes you just have to move on and be like yeah. this is what it is and it's great and that's that <laughs> yeah i think that's just like part of the journey too is like figuring out how to like discern between the two of like all right is this like speaking to me in a way that like i really do need to change this to make it the thing that i know it can be or yeah. am i just like getting too much in my head and we already have like a good final version and it's hard to decipher between those yeah. two it's like am i doing harm to this song by <laughs> freaking out about it or am i on to something so i think predominantly for me it's doing harm <laughs> but yeah <laughs> as far as instrumentation are you you've been exploring anything else as far as writing tools yeah i mean i i'm buying an omnicord right now which i've okay. been having a lot of fun playing with my one of my roommates has one and i feel like that has opened kind of like a new door to me as well because it's completely new sounds and chords that I didn't even know existed you could just kind of create on an omnichord with a touch of a button so it's been fun to explore very organically whereas I feel like sometimes when I'm on guitar I fall into the same pattern so it's it's like a whole new lens yeah opening up different maybe like vocal approaches even because mm -hmm. you're playing on something else mm-hmm yeah, I was in a, a session the other day where I was practicing dolphin noises. So I feel like I love just making random sounds as well and kind of having a vocal that doesn't sound like a vocal on songs. Like just like hidden hidden little secrets. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Who did the artwork for The Florist? It was a friend of mine. Um, we went to college together but weren't really, we didn't really know each other all that well besides the fact that we were both kind of in the arts in some way. And 
she moved to LA and was selling something and I met with her because I wanted to buy like a vase of hers and then we kind of just talked about potentially doing something together and the vision that I had for this artwork just really really matched her style and we talked about just doing like a big renaissance painting with just like a lot of different parts going on and having each single be um be a part of the bigger picture okay so yeah that's basically what it is her name's ava ram and she's amazing so the the tunes definitely like inspired what came out of the the artwork yeah because yeah, they're all just pieces to the puzzle and i feel like the big picture is this big renaissance painting where you can stare at, at an art gallery for however long and find something new or just like a new story and that's always been like my favorite style of art is just where you find little new surprises in every nook of the painting. Yeah. No, that's very rad that there's pieces of everything within yeah. this, this whole picture for sure. Well, I appreciate you, uh, jumping on with me and chatting with me about your tunes. I'm stoked that I, I stumbled upon your, your floors DP definitely yeah. been enjoying it quite a bit. And I want to play the episode out with high five, which is the, the last track on the record one of my favorites for sure Thank you. Um, is there is there anything that you uh remember about this one coming together or like what you were going through or trying to express with with high five this was quite a crazy one because i we actually did it back in la um one of the guys roy came to la for like a month after in february and i had gotten a concussion the day before writing this song so I was just feeling very off. So we brought in a co-writer, um, Mia Follick, who's also an incredible artist. And she just really helped shape the song. And I felt like we came at it from a point of just completely exploring because I felt like my head felt crazy. And she leaned into <laughs> that and was kind of able to just finish pieces that I couldn't formulate in my mind. And it was one of my favorite collaborations I think ever. And it breeded a very interesting song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's <laughs> so I much love. cool. Yeah. So much cool groove to yeah, this particular yeah. song. Yeah. When, when situations like that happen, is it pretty easy for you to like see someone else's vision for something and not like necessarily be so attached to whatever your initial ideas were? I think it it depends song to song. I would definitely say like with this one, it was fully from scratch. I was feeling very out of sorts, but there, there are definitely a few times where I'll have like a very strong vision and want to do it alone. But then there are also times that I think it's important to just kind of remove the ego of a song because I think that it's really important to be able to kind of open your mind to new ideas and someone else's opinion. And I think that it makes for something really special. Absolutely. Well, I'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can uh, keep up with you. We end every episode of the podcast, Abby, with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is it's a program. It means absolutely nothing. It's just the way my grandfather says the news program. He always says program. program. So if we could get the uh, Abby Sage, it's a program. We can properly end this thing. Okay. It's a program. She nailed it, everybody. That's Abby Sage. <laughs> you can check out that Florist EP on all of the streaming services. Links will be in the episode notes, and we are going to play it out with high five off of that collection of tunes and that is the jelly jams and we'll catch you on the flip side portland los angeles toronto the uk wherever you are listening from <laughs> it was great chatting with you just give me
Hey, just want to give a big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their longtime support of this thing. Make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. You can also find the link in my link tree in my Instagram bio. Big thanks to Distro Kid. Stay up, stay tuned.